Welcome to the Taste and See podcast, a kingdom-based podcast that exists to encourage saints, empower believers, and reach the lost with the goodness of God. Psalm 34, 8 proclaims, Taste and see that the Lord is good. To taste is to experience, while to see is all about perception. Join us as we discuss our experiences in the kingdom of God and discover how we can impact the world around us through a new lens. Here is your host, Josh Emmerich. Hey, friend, and welcome to episode 20 of the Taste in Sea podcast. I am glad you could join me for this conversation today. Today, we're being joined by John and Donna Kipp, and they are the brand new authors of the brand new book, Testimony is Praise, What's Your Story? John and Donna, thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm excited to hear your stories in God's presence each step of the way. Thanks for having us. We're extremely honored, and it's uh, just crazy to have this opportunity to talk to you about this book. Uh, ex- excited to see what kind of questions you got for us and uh, kick it off. Yeah, you know, I, I was just thinking about this earlier today. We've known each other for six years now, I believe. Yeah. We met at a small group at church, mm-hmm. and our friendship has grown since then. Uh, me and my wife have since left to help out with a church plant, but uh, just seeing your guys' story and seeing it just up close and from afar. Seeing your hearts, I can honestly say I have never met such two anointed people before in my life. And so I am so excited and I am so honored to have you on the show today. So to start off the show, I always like to ask some fun questions, you know, because while I would like to consider you guys subject experts on testimony and stories, because you have actually walked through it, but I like to remind people that we're human just the same. And so, you know, I just have to ask you both while you're there together, which one of you is the messiest? <laughs> that would likely be me. <laughs> be <you>, John. <laughs> she agreed with that. Yeah. Okay. I don't even, okay. shouldn't have said likely be. I possibly. Yeah. It could have been. No doubt. It's me. <laughs> So, which one of you eats the most junk food? Hmm, she likes her candy. Yeah, I do. I, I eat a lot of uh, It's me. I eat a lot of junk. All right. <laughs> Donna with that one. Okay. So, Donna, what would you say is John's most repeated sentence or phrase? I found it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, where is my... Oh, I found it. <laughs> That is so weird. If my wife was in the room, she'd say, that's Josh's too. <laughs> John, what is Donna's? Well, her the phrase she uses the most is, I'm sorry. And it's directed at other people when I make jokes that I think is are funny. But uh, so those of you guys who are listening, who are still looking for a wife, marry someone who will cover for you. <laughs> exactly. So if they were to make a movie about your lives, who would you want them to cast to play yourselves? Kirk Cameron sounds good to me. Okay. 
Funny, because I thought of uh, Sandra Bullock, probably. Kirk Cameron and Sandra Bullock. Okay. Okay, I, I like that. So now let's shift to a more serious note. Tell us more about you, and you guys can go one at a time if you want, since you know you guys are both here in the room. How did you come to know Christ, and what led you to where you're serving the kingdom now? And John, I know that you are now serving in a new role, um, and I know that you will probably touch on that a little bit more, but just tell us more about your faith journey and what led you to where you are serving now. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go first. Uh, my dad was in youth ministry when I was born and then later become a pastor. And I do not remember a time that I didn't know Jesus. And I would have told you that during confirmation class in the Lutheran church, that's when I declared that he was my Lord and Savior. But looking back, a lot of those early years and into my adult years were all head knowledge. And I was a checkbox Christian, I like to call it to where I would go to church literally every Sunday. I'd be involved in Bible studies and small groups and church sports and all of that stuff. And then once I started getting to my college years, Friday night and Saturday night was out partying and going to church with a hangover was still a checkbox. And then I was judgmental at everybody else who wasn't going to church. So I thought I was better than them because I've got these certain checkboxes over here. And that is how my journey was. So I don't have a lot of complaints about my childhood. My parents were fabulous people. My mom's one of the most patient people you can ask for. Godly woman. If you could think of the perfect pastor's wife, that's my mom. And my dad has brought a lot of people to the Lord. And he's changed over the years. And he was always there for ball games and all that stuff. Just great people. But that was their story. And their story faith journey is different than mine. So until it became my story, and until I was woken up to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Holy Spirit, my faith journey was kind of a windy road. I didn't get too far off track, but it wasn't a straight line, and it was just windy and going around in circles, really. And then when I had my Holy Spirit moment, it uh, changed my life to where I could actually hear from God It wasn't one way, and through lots of different turns and open doors and closed doors, I ended up hearing from God that I was going to make a drastic career change after being with the company for 17 years, and a year and a half later, I understood exactly what he meant. So that's my journey in a nutshell. Okay, then. (laughs) Uh, Mom is like the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in a in a non-Christian home. I guess they thought they were Christians, but they didn't act it in. Uh, we never went to church. I didn't know what, what that was about. I was scared. There was a lot of times I was scared. There was a lot of fighting and police called and, you know, knocked down, drag out things. And, and uh, so I cried a lot. <laughs> I can remember just being afraid. And um, when I, there was some neighborhood kids that actually invited us to go to church, my brother and I. And so we went to church with them, and it was just the kids. You know, there were no adults. So we were the ones running around the balcony and, and uh, you know, messing up a lot because we didn't know. We didn't know how to act. And the people in the church were the ones that took us in and, and uh, you know, taught us about Jesus and, and went to Sunday school and talked about him being our Heavenly Father. And, uh, you know, like your real dad, you know. And, and I was afraid of my dad, so, uh, you know, that was kind of a fear for me. But... Um, 
anyway, when my brother went down, because we went, we was Baptist church, and my brother went down, and I went down, you know, I went down the aisle for the call because he did. And uh, so anyway, I went away, I went ahead and, and went through the process, and they really didn't talk to me because I was like eight, you know, mainly talking to my brother. But I was baptized on an Easter Sunday, and I was in the house by myself at one point, and it was like I heard this voice. I didn't think it was weird, but I heard this voice that said, uh, do you know what you did? And I said, well, I accepted Jesus as my Savior in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I just felt this like weight lifted off. And I didn't understand what that meant but until later that, you know, he wanted to make sure, God wanted to make sure that I knew who he was because he knew what I was going to go through. He knew the things that I was st- struggling with. And even though I had the wrong impression of him because I, I, he was somebody else to fear, at least I, I knew he was there. And even though it was out of fear, it kept me from doing a lot more than I probably would have because of my fear of him was stronger than, you know, what I would have been doing. So so that's how it started is, is just, uh, you know, I mean, I went to church and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't understand that I could have a relationship with him. I didn't know any of that. And uh, nobody talked about Holy Spirit at all. And Jesus was, you know, it was in Jesus' name. It was, you know, you talk to God and it was in Jesus' name. But um, I didn't have I didn't have a real concept until we moved to Florida, and uh, that was a God story. I think I went through a lot of stuff, you know, as in the as in the book, and and uh, carried a lot of anger and bitterness and rejection. You know, my mom left when I was eight, and you know she didn't. Dad asked who you wanted to live with, <laughs> and I said mom because she's prettier. <laughs> and uh, he woke me up one night and said, uh, "You're going to stay with me because your mom don't want you." So then the stepmother came in on the scene, you know, because and uh, cause she was an alcoholic, and so it was a lot of stuff. But um, anyway, I just I just carried all that. I thought that everything I heard in my head came from God, good and bad. Everything was, you know, the judgment, the, the guilt, the shame, everything that I went through in my life, I thought came from God until we moved to Florida. And uh, when John talked about going to Florida, I thought he was losing his mind, you know. I mean, I love it, but leaving everything I had, you know, I mean, the family and church, and they thought we were nuts and and um, I didn't know if he was really going to do it. He's got that roller coaster, you know, <laughs> and it was, you know, from one one extreme to another. But uh, so I just prayed. I was, I was like, Lord, if you're going to, you know, I don't want to be a stumbling block for John if that's what we're really supposed to do. And so we came to Florida, found, you know, started at Bayside, and um, then freedom came. So it was like God orchestrated it from the beginning, getting us here, getting us in the Bayside before freedom was even thought about or, you know, presented. And brought me through that. When I heard the word freedom, it just like stood out. It was like, I don't know what it is, but I need it. I just know in my heart that I need it. I need to be free. And so going through that program and learning the God of love and not the God of judgment, that this God loved me and saw me and that Jesus loved me and the Holy Spirit. I was was like, what are you talking, you know, the voices that I had heard throughout my life, um, you know, when I would cry out was the Holy Spirit that was directed me and I didn't you know you know I didn't know that until then and then I realized that God brought me here to heal that that was his you know he had orchestrated that so I could heal because I would have never healed in Kentucky and even you know so all that played a role and and just transformed my life just absolutely changed my life and uh, I'm still growing I'm still <laughs> you know still changing I'm not the same person I was six months ago and I won't be the same person six months from now because he's just working, you know, peeling layers off. He's still, um, you know, was showing me things, and and it just it's just a neat experience to walk through.
isn't it great being walking continual projects and products of his grace? Yes. For sure. And, uh, you know, I just want to give a quick shout out because there is one common thing among all of our stories, and that, that's Bayside Community Church. And, you know, I I walked through a really rough season, you know, in my life, as you guys are familiar with, you know, I arrived on the scene uh, in 2016 to Florida, really broken, having walked through a divorce. Um, and I was a pastor before for years and I had left ministry and I left the church and here I was a pastor for the greater part of 10 years. And it wasn't until I set foot in Bayside that I truly encountered a living, breathing relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so I'm just so thankful for Bayside and the impact it's had on my life as well as your life. Um, and, you know, I, so I just want to give them a quick shout out, Absolutely. you know, to them and the team there. They're just a great church. And, you know, so, and I'm glad that God crossed our paths years ago and that God has crossed our paths again now. So here you guys are, John, you're in a new role. You are serving the church faithfully. And you guys, I remember when you messaged me and said, Hey, you know, follow the, follow this YouTube channel we're writing a book. And I'm just like, what? These guys are writing a book? And, you know, it's, and I was overjoyed when I heard it because I know the story that you guys have. I know the stories that God has written. And I'm so glad that you put pen to paper and that you wrote it out. I, I think it's great. So what led you to write Testimony is Praise? Well, I, I say it started, we were at, uh, Bayside going past a room that was going to have Celebrate Recovery. And this is probably six years ago. And a friend of mine was leading that group. And when I walked by, he stopped me and he said, hey, the speaker for tonight just called in sick. We start in about an hour. I think you should give your testimony. And my answer was, I don't have a story. And Donna was standing there with me. And I said, <laughs> I said, this didn't go bid well for me because if you don't have a story, it's going to involve me. <laughs> and I didn't think it was going to be pretty. And so I didn't speak that night, not because I believed what I just said, but back then it was everything has to be prepared. If I'm going to say even a prayer, then I need to write it out and memorize it before I'd say it in front of a group. There was no... I'll, I'll just let Holy Spirit speak through me and it's on him. There was none of that. So I declined it. And then over the next two years, probably 25% of the book <laughs> happened from Donna's accident to the flood in our townhouse to moving and all this stuff God did uh, happened in a short window. And then I was traveling a lot for work and I was on a plane and God was just downloading the concept for this book. Literally, he gave me the chapter's titles. He gave me the outline. I wrote out the introduction. And I was just ecstatic because I, I knew I had heard from God. I typed it out. I came home. I looked at Don. I said, you're not going to believe this, what God downloaded to me. And she read through it. And at the end of it, she looked at me. And said, no. <laughs> not just no, but no. <laughs> He looked at me and he said, you're going to have to go through your past. You're going to have to talk about your childhood, your divorces. I mean, just like, you know, like, hello. And I'm like, no, there's no way that's going to happen. So 
I knew that we were supposed to write the book together. And if you have somebody who's not cooperating, that means it's not going to get done. So I just set it aside. And two years later, more stories, more God stories. But we're sitting at a ministry event. And afterwards, someone walks up to us and says, do you all work together? And no, we work both work from home, but we don't work for the same company. And she said, well, I got, I got to tell you what God told me. And uh, I'm hearing that you two are supposed to work on a project together that's going to change lives. And I don't know what that means, but there you go for what it's worth. And when she walked away, I looked at Donna and I said, it's the book that we ta- that I talked to you about two years prior. And then the very next day, someone texts, another friend texted us out of the blue, did not hear that conversation, but texted and said, speak, you have something to say. And that was confirmation to me, like no doubt that was God telling us that's what we're supposed to do. But if that wasn't enough, we started writing chapter one and we were at a restaurant and working on it with our laptop. And I I can't imagine this ever happening. I've never heard of it. But the waitress stopped and said, do you mind if I ask you, what are you working on? Which is just crazy, crazy that she would be comfortable to say, what are you working Mm -hmm. on? And we told her about the book and the concept, and she said, that's amazing. I just moved here, and I don't have a church home. <laughs> so we invited her, and it's confirmation number three, and then Donna was on board. But I probably wrote six chapters before she got done with chapter one. But keep in mind, chapter one is childhood baggage, and she had mm-hmm. not gotten over that. No. No, I had not. And when he talked about it, I said, well, have fun with your book. <laughs> and then after he, he said all these things, and I, I just prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, what? why wouldn't you say something to me if you want me to, to be a part of this? And and uh, he, I could hear him say, if I, if I ask you, would you have? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I would not. So anyway, but I couldn't deny it. You know, if I, I didn't want... The same thing. I didn't want to be a stumbling block if John thought that's what we were supposed to do. And so through this, I've experienced a lot of healing. And even now with the book, you know, having come out, um, I was still struggling with guilt and shame still, you know, where I couldn't tell. You know, there's some things that are left out of the book (laughs) that you would have to, you know, read between the lines because I still couldn't speak it. But then, um, you know, God said the story is about me. He said it's about, you know, God. God said it's about me, not you. That this is, this is, um, you know, this is our, my, what I've done for you. You're concentrating on what's in the past and you're looking at yourself through those lenses of, of shame and guilt. But I don't see that, he said. And he said, mm-hmm. this, you need to change your perspective and be excited about what people are going to um, feel and change because of, of this testimony. That's good. So I want to talk about a few parts of the book without giving the whole book away, obviously, because I really want to encourage anyone who is listening to um, go and purchase the book. And as a reminder to anyone who's listening, you can always scroll down to the story notes and there are direct links there to their book as well as their website um, and their YouTube page where they have some awesome, I really enjoy the little brief intro videos to each chapter. It was It was really cool how you all put that together. But I want to talk about chapter two, which which talks about, you know, young adult mistakes. And, and so, John, you and I have a similar story. And in chapter two, you talk about you rushed into a marriage at a young age um, that did result in divorce. Same for me. 
Um, you talk about being a habitual drinker and partier right there with you. Um, and you talk about making so many mistakes as a young adult, which I did too. And I know a lot of young adults make mistakes, but I resounded so much with what you shared. And so I want to read really quickly just a portion of this chapter. And it says, we all make mistakes. With mistakes come pain. We can stuff the pain down, do everything we can to ignore the pain, or we can heal the pain. If you're going to heal it, you must let the pain go. Can can you dive into that a little bit more for us? You know, what do you mean by letting the pain go? And if someone's listening right now, how how do they let go of that? It's it's easier said than done, but most most of the time I was holding on to the pain, shoving it behind a wall. And even through counseling, which I went through individually and uh, with my wife at the time, I was selfish, quite frankly, which is how I ended up in the place to begin with, because I was working full time. I was going to school full time. I was very active at my church. And I was every Saturday playing basketball with the guys, which if you add up the hours, there's not many left for what's supposed to be my soulmate and life mate and wife. So there's, there's, I, the writing was on the wall for the problem, but I didn't see anything I was doing as the problem. It was, I only looked at what she was doing or not doing and praying for a way out. It, instead of praying for my wife, I was praying for a way out because I was focused on me and what would make me happy. Um, and by no means do I think that God caused that divorce because that's not biblical. That's not how God designed marriage. But he used that experience. Unfortunately for me, it took a, a long time. I actually asked her for forgiveness, but it wasn't genuine. And I said I forgave her, but it wasn't the truth. I just held it all in, held that pain in until eventually, once I started understanding a relationship with Holy Spirit and how that could all work, I realized I needed to ask for Holy Spirit's help to release the pain. And I ended up reaching out to her. It had been a lot of years. And, and Donna saw the conversation through Facebook Messenger and said, you know, I, I told you I was sorry back then, but now I really mean it. And it would, and she forgave me. And she said, you know what? We both make mistakes. We both learn from them. And when I wrote the book, um, I sent her the chapter that had anything to do with, with that time. And she gave her blessing. She said, I tell people about my mistakes all the time. So hopefully they won't make the same ones. So it's, you talk about releasing the pain and, and getting over it. Doesn't happen overnight. I wish it did. I have seen people that were, um, redeemed and, and healed in the, in the flick of a finger. But that just wasn't my story. It, it took a long time. Thank you for being open and sharing through that. And uh, for those of you who want to dive a little bit more into that part of John's story, I encourage you again to pick up their book, Testimony is Praise, and look at chapter two. Donna, we're going to shift over to you. And it's funny that we're mentioning this story because I remember when it happened. It's not a funny story, but just kind of unreal. You are the only person I have ever met who has broken both feet. Yes. 
while on vacation yeah. in Key West. Yes. In Key West. Yeah. So can you share that story with us? How on earth did this happen and what followed? Sure. I had um I had been upstairs working most of the or most of the morning, all morning. Um so when I came down to the pool, it it was probably twelve thirty or so. And um I wanted to go ahead and get in the pool, but the area that we were at, you would go up an incline to get into the pool, and that was usually wet. It was like an overflow by that time. Um, I had tried to go through, and it was too busy, so I walked around um, to the steps, and I still couldn't get in, right? So then I came back, and it's like, cause it's an incline, so there's, and it was kind of a slippery surface, I guess. But I, I remember putting my the ball of my foot, right foot, on the surface um, by the pool, and then my eyes closed. Like involuntarily, I couldn't. I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm like, "Well, I can't really go anywhere because I can't see anything." And I was kind of getting embarrassed because I was, I couldn't see anything. And uh, so I'm waiting, and I'm kind of talking, you know, having this conversation with God, and I'm like, "What? You know, what's going on?" And I felt a tug, and I heard a pop. And so I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, I, I think I just broke my foot on vacation." And I've always been horrified of, of breaking bones. You know, I didn't know what that would be like, and and now I was, I was uh, presented with that, and. I'm like talking to him. I said, I can't believe, you know, I, I broke my foot on vacation. We've got, you know, people, I mean, there's 12 people in the group and, you know, I mean, what's going to happen? Now I've got to do all, you know, so I had no idea, but I, I still had that peace, you know, and I heard Holy Spirit say, remember the color pink. Okay. So I said, well, let, at least let me see it. I mean, in my mind, I'm still standing in the same place, right? And so I, I'm looking around and I'm just moving my head and from here over, to the you know to the left I couldn't see but from here to the right I could and I said show it to me you know I prayed show it to me I was already on the ground and my leg was up in the air and my foot wasn't where it was supposed to be so I'm like I can't you know I'm, I never felt myself fall I never had the sensation nothing it was I really felt like I was delivered because it could have been a lot worse right and so I'm looking at my foot and I hear somebody you know say hey she, she just broke her foot. And so, you know, everything started moving, you know, and I, and I felt a throbbing on my uh, right foot. And I looked, and it was still in the border. There was like a border that went around. Like the pool was this way, but the border was, and it was raised up. So it had probably, you know, two inches, three inch opening gap there. And my right foot was still in that border. And I'm pulling that out, and it's throbbing, but it's not, you know, but I didn't feel anything from the, from the leg at all. And, um, you know, just people started moving, you know, <laughs> and uh, started taking care of me. It was like a lady was already there with ice and she was a nurse and she was laying me down, you know, don't get up. And, and I'll, you know, I'm, what are the odds, right? And um, so anyway, crazy. Yeah. So anyway, she started taking care of me, you know, keep, keep me still and stuff. And of course, with Key West, you know, the ambulance can be there, you know, they're just down the street. It's because it's not very good. Mm -hmm. And so uh, anyway, the EMT comes up, you know, and he's taking my blood pressure and, and it's like, you know, 90 over 60 or whatever. So, you know, pretty normal for me. And he's looking at me and he's like, is, is that your regular blood pressure? And I said, yeah. And he said, what? Well, he looks at me and he goes, well, are you an athlete or something? I started laughing. I'm like, uh, no, no, I'm not. Well, thanks for asking. <laughs> it was just, it was just, I just had this peace and it was calm, you know, and I thought, you know, everything's going to be okay. So, uh, but they didn't, they didn't have a pulse in that in that my ankle and so we went to the you know went to the hospital and and uh it was it was 
pretty funny because, you know, nothing happens in Key West during the day, apparently. <laughs> and so the EMTs were kept coming in to see, you know, waiting for them to, to set it and everything. And, um, it, you know, it was just, it was just, uh, it was crazy. And so anyway, so they set it and, and um, you know, because I was asleep, at the, obviously they knocked me out, I guess. But my, my friend of mine was with us, you know, and she was with me. And um, when I woke up, when they finally woke me up, she asked if he, if I had felt pain or something. And I'm like, no, it's just weird. And she's like, well, he was going like that. And he was poking you in the eye to make sure you were asleep. She said, <laughs> <laughs> she said, I was about to work him over, you know. To clarify, uh, not me. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was kind of funny, but anyway, but they, you know, like I said, they, they took care of me and, and John, bless his heart, he was trying to, you know, figure out, cause I was going to have to have surgery, you know, and we didn't have a doctor really. We didn't have, he had no idea about a surgeon. And so he's trying to figure that out. Right. And so anyway, um, yeah, we had, so we got back to the hotel or to the condo, you know, and, and it was just, people took care of me. I mean, he was calling people from you know, our friends from Bayside and stuff, you know, and telling them what was happening and uh, and all that. And so they were praying for me and all that. And, um, of course, the pain hit, you know, <laughs> when, it came, when it was time, it hit. And um, anyway, John was, you know, letting me sleep in the bed by myself because so, he was afraid he was going to hit me. Because I, mean, I had both feet right after I, right? I mean, I was a mess. And uh, up and so anyway, it was crazy. But um, we finally were able, I was able to travel enough to go home so that we could go see the surgeon. And, and he had talked to this guy. And he said, well, it's kind of a young guy. And, um, you know, I think he'd be okay, but he really didn't know, right? And so he can't, I mean, he was, he was wonderful. I mean, I could just tell when I walked in and started talking to him that, that it was right. It was the right fit. And, uh, he did the surgery and it was, it was, I mean, it was great, but it was supposed to be like two hours, you know, and it wound up being six. And, uh, hmm. yeah, and John's sitting in the waiting room. Everybody had already left, you know, and he was there by himself and he was supposed to have started at two. It didn't start till three and it was, you know, eight o'clock and he hadn't heard from him. Um, so anyway, they finally, it was like 10 o'clock when, when we got, <laughs> and I couldn't believe it, you know, that, but anyway, uh, we got home. And so of course, uh, when we got home, there was a wheelchair there, there was food there, there you know, they had filled the refrigerator and the freezer and, and, uh, everything that we needed was already provided when we walked in the door, when, you know, when we got back from Key West. And, uh, so it was just the, the people at Bayside, the friends and, and stuff. It just took care of us. We didn't even need a, a meal train or, or anything, you know? And so anyway, that was crazy. But, um, we also had a freedom group that we were doing at the time. And, um, uh, the leader was like, well, I don't know if you want to do one or not. I mean, you, you know, you can't even walk, you know, I'm like, well, I don't have to do anything. You know, he's going John's going to do most of the work. Right. And so we had a freedom group that got, that was able to watch, the physical steps that I was taking, you know, from not being able to walk to move to a cast, take the cast off, move to, you know, and so it was just a progression through these eight weeks that we were together. So by the time the freedom group ended, I was able to stand with crutches. So it was, it was a neat experience for them. But during the process, um, Every day, you know, it would be fine during the day. But then at night, I always had pain, no matter what happened. It was, you know, whatever I did, whatever I took, there was always pain. And so I was praying and, and saying, you know, God, I, I'm trying to praise you through the storm, you know, and, you know, trying to worship and trying, you know, just treat me. I want you as a daddy, not as a God. I want you to, you know, to comfort me and to take this away from me. And and um, mm -hmm. it was about three or four days in, and, and he's, I could hear him say, um, yeah, I could take it. But you need to walk through this journey. 
Mm. Like, you know, it was like, it was like so compassionate. Like, I know I could take it, but it's better for you to go, to walk through this. As he said, um, there's pain, there's pain and healing, but each day it's going to get a little better. Mm. So I'd wake up the next morning and there would be a little swelling going down. So it was like every day, you know, every night I've had pain and then the next day it would be better and better and better. And so he changed my perspective. He didn't change the situation, but he changed my perspective of the situation. And I was able to handle the pain because I knew that the next day it was going to be a little better. So when we were doing the freedom group, it was the same way because he, he would share with me that uh, physical, spiritual pain is also, I mean, spiritual healing is also painful. And so I was able to share with them just like it was physically when you have to look at things that you've done in your past or whatever and, you, and you're sharing this out and you're speaking this out to him that it's painful, but it's going to get better because he's going to take that and he's going to heal you. And I can still see, you know, signs of being healed physically still, that there's still changes that are happening in my ankle and stuff. And so it was neat for him to uh, to be able to witness. So something that you would think would be horrible. And, you know, she broke both of her feet and looked at, I mean, my old self would be like, poor pitiful me, you know, and look what God did, right? But instead it was a blessing because he, del- he delivered me from, you know, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. So for some reason, he delivered me, and I was able to share that testimony. And uh, later on, during that, another freedom group, there was a guy that gave me a book, and it was talking about the voice of God, how to hear the voice of God. And there was um, a chapter in there about colors, like if you see colors in, in visions or whatever. And um, I saw the pink jumped right out off the page to me, and I'm like, I was supposed to remember the color pink. And I'm reading through there, and white was the Holy Spirit, and red was the, the blood of salvation of Jesus, and pink was the working of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I thought he was working in, de- in delivering me when I broke myself. So, Hallelujah, that's it, awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I love how you mentioned at the end of that chapter, too, that knowing Jesus doesn't mean our life is easy, but God is with us. We may not be able to control everything around us, but we can control how we react. And I think that's I think that's so good. And and I see that as is what you just shared. Like, you know, you were here you were trying to worship in the and serve in the midst of pain. Um, but yet instead of changing your situation, God and Holy Spirit gave you the strength to change your perspective, which I think is great. So what do you both hope to accomplish through this book? You know, and it's my prayer that hundreds and thousands of people get their hands on this book and really dive into it because it is so encouraging. It is so enlightening. It is so freeing um, as we embrace the power of our stories. So when someone picks up this book and they start to read it, what do you hope to accomplish? Our hope is they would be able to see God working in our story. And at the end of each chapter, we ask some self-reflection questions. And for those that maybe haven't taken the time to do that, and what that time is for is to reflect on how has God worked in each reader's life. And once they reflect on it, then the next step is, are they to a point that they can share their testimony with others? And being able to help people do that, that's the vision behind this whole thing. It's not about selling books. As a matter of fact, our book signing was exactly what we hoped to happen. 
to where we can go to places and maybe speak about something. But at the book signing, we had a plan, or I should say I had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) I just love all people. (laughs) The plan was to have three sessions of worship. We had a uh, someone playing guitar and playing a worship song. Then we'd talk about one story from the book, and then we'd at, let people ask one or two questions, and then we'd take a half an hour to sign books and then do it two more times. That was the plan. And during the second session, Donna basically told the story she just did about the accident. And at the end, I just felt Holy Spirit prompt me to ask if anybody else, and there was probably a group of almost 100 people, ask if anybody else had a story of healing or God delivering them or any type of testimony they'd like to share. And one person after another came up in front of the group and shared their testimony. And Holy Spirit was working. He had people speaking who would never speak in a group. And he put one lady on my heart. I We called out a couple of people who we knew their stories and we knew they would share. But he put a person on my heart who was on the tail end of breast cancer. And she's not all the, she wasn't all the way through it. And I did not want to call her out in front of the whole group to talk about what she was going through. But I, I asked Donna if she would go ask her. And she did. And she shared where she was at. And the next two ladies shared how they've been through that and are over the hump and are healed. And, and their stories were very similar in that the doctor's recommendation was to only get a, mis- a half mastectomy. And she just felt strongly that she needed to do both. And she did. And afterwards found out it they, was worse, it was worse than what the doctor originally thought. And it's a good thing she did. And there was just so many mm-hmm. common stories of that connected people. And uh, there was an, another person who's, who got in a life-threatening accident, uh, was a missionary and getting ready to go back on the mission field and, and almost lost her life due to a, a brain injury. And it was the first time she had shared what happened in front of a group. And another person who had a, a heart uh, heart attack and had open heart surgery. And it's the first time that he's ever talked in front of a group, let alone about what God did to bring him through that. And the peace he had during that situation, because he knew the surgery was coming. It wasn't a situation where he was knocked out after the heart attack. And he knew the surgery was coming. And he had a peace that he never would have had had it not been for Holy Spirit and the church family that surrounded him. So being ha- the, having the opportunity to do that and hearing other people's testimonies and what God's done, that's just exciting. That That's what we look forward to. Now, what that looks like, we have no idea. Will it be emails that we get from people that read it? Will it be us traveling to talk and hear talk to other people? I don't know. Will it be a, a YouTube station? God knows what the plan is. We're, we obediently take one step at a time, and he, uh, he'll he open the doors that, that he's got planned. Mm, that is so good. You know, and I, what I love about your book is it reminds me of the phrase, and I hear it all the time, that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And that's what I love most about this book. It's not just testimony is praise because yes our testimony is praise to to God who is who is with us in the midst of it all but you know you really encourage us to really just take a step back take a deep breath really take a look and just see this 
bigger picture of our story and the tapestry of God, the ultimate writer, just weaving all the way through it. And I really, really appreciate that. And I just want to read something that you guys wrote in the concluding chapter that really resonated with me. And it says, when we focus on what God has done in our lives, amazing things happen. By sharing our testimony with other people, we are praising God for what he has done. God's stories encourage us all, and frequently they can be exactly what a specific person needs to hear at just the right time. And how cool is it that you guys penned that? And shortly after, you saw it come into fruition at your book signing event, where a woman who had cancer heard from people who had gone through exactly what she had gone through, and she heard exactly what she needed to hear. We all have a story, and we believe when you look back, you'll see where God has been there for you too. God is always with us or not, whether we recognize it or not. I just, I love that. So... Psalm 34.8 proclaims, taste and see that the Lord is good. How have you guys seen the goodness of God displayed in each of your stories? God, at the time, historically, I didn't always see it. And uh, the I've seen the, the difference is looking backwards, I typically could see it, but almost never could I see it in the midst of it. And in the move to Florida, that's when I started noticing a difference. Um, We weren't 100% sure we should move. And when we got in the car to drive down for the first time ever, before we did something, we said, God, if this is you, make it abundantly clear. And when we found our church and when we found our house, it was abundantly clear. And we saw him in the journey. Just like the career change, I heard clearly that there was going to be a change, but he didn't tell me what it was, and he didn't tell me when it would be. And normally, I'm an impatient person, but through that process, I was extremely patient because I knew when the time was right, it would be abundantly clear. That's good. That's good. For me, he has protected me. I know that he has protected me in so many areas of my life, and even though I've messed up, a lot. He was. He didn't leave me. He redeemed me from all of the all of the mess that I had, and and freed me from um, the sin and the guilt or and the shame and um, words that were spoken over me, things that I believed that came from him that didn't. And he he has. I can just see him woven in every aspect of my life. From even um, the thing that stands out to me the most, I think, was. With the kid, you know, with kids, when I was told I couldn't have children when I was twenty-one, and uh, I just I didn't take that. I didn't believe it. It was like it was in my heart, and uh, you know, he was telling me not to believe him, not to believe him. And um, you know, fourteen years later, um, I was able to you know have have a child. So, but mm-hmm. as I'm waiting for that, uh, you know, the procedure wasn't even uh, invented yet. I wasn't in the right place. There was a lot of things that had to happen because he's always working behind the scenes. And I realized that, that when uh, when that situation happened, that, uh, you know, he protected me and and, and uh, gave me the desire of my heart, you know. And uh, just all through here and, and with friends, you know, I, I was isolated. I tried to stay away from people because I was afraid of them. I was afraid of that they were going to hurt me. I'm like literally hurt me, not just to hurt my feelings, but like punch me. You know, I mean, that's what I was I was used to. So. 
um, you know, I just prayed when I came here that he would bring people to us that would point us to God. And I mean, hundreds of people, I mean, we went from knowing anyone to having hundreds of people that, um, you know, care about us and, and that we built friendships with. And, and, uh, I just see how he's changed me so much from, from being afraid. He took, he literally is in the book, took the fear from me. And cause I was afraid of everything. People, fly, I mean, anything, I was afraid of everything and everybody. And I, I, uh, um, sacrifice a lot. I, there was a lot of stuff I didn't do because of, of the fears that I had. And he, he took that from me and he'll take that from you. You know, he'll, he, I mean, it's just amazing how much he loves me. That, that I know now that he, that he loves me and how he's um, growing me. And, and uh, I know that there's more to come. And I'm excited about that. And I just want people to see from the book that, that uh, you know, don't be stuck. Don't, don't believe the lies that are coming in your head. Just believe in on his stand on his promises. And uh, he, always, you know, he always works it out. He's got a plan and, and he always comes through. He never fails. So. That's so good. That sounds like our call to action for today, actually, to stop believing in the lies and to really just lean in and embrace what what he wants to reveal and say to you. Um, So, guys, if someone would like to connect with you or grab a copy of your book, how can they do so? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. If you just do a search for Testimony is Praise, adding what your story gets you there even better or goes to our website, there's a link as well at testimoniaspraise.com. And then our email is testimoniaspraise at gmail.com. And love to hear stories of uh, things that came to life or that you might have remembered or that you wanted to share. Love to hear from people who have read. And and like I say, from the events that we've been at, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing to hear what God has done and the connections that he's has made and he's going to make. It's amazing when you think that you know people can relate to to your story because they you think you're the only one, right? <laughs> that doesn't you know everybody doesn't have to go through that. And then you you hear other people and say, "I can relate to what you did. This was happened to me too," or you know. And but there's hope. They see hope now, and they say, "This is what you know. This is how you deal with it. How God you know worked through you, and and He's going to do that for me." So it's very rewarding and and humbling, I think, to see you know the people's reactions that we've had. Well, John and Donna, thank you so much for sitting with us today and reminding us of the power of our story, for it truly is our testimony and the most utmost praise that we can give to God Most High. Well, friend, that wraps up our encouraging conversation today with John and Donna Kipp. If you would like a copy of their book, Testimony is Praise, you can find it on Amazon through the link in the story notes or by visiting www.tasteandseepodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Taste and See Podcast. We hope that you were encouraged and empowered by our conversation today. For future and past episodes, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting www.tasteandseepodcast.com. Now go, live for the kingdom, and always remember that the Lord is good.